and welcome to the 206 podcast. My name is Mark. I'm coming to you from Seattle, Washington, and this is the Changing Directions interview series. Joining me today is award-winning filmmaker, Mai Huang, director of Cat Daddies. Mai, welcome to the 206. Hey, Mark. Good to be here. I yeah, love thank- Seattle. Oh, ac- One excellent. One of my favorite cities, by the way. <laughs> oh, awesome. That's great. Uh, thank you for taking the time to, to do this interview. And I wanted to say, first off, I was a cat dad myself for over 14 years. So I've been following this project for a while on social media. And for those that don't know, I had an orange tabby cat. His name was Flash. And he was basically my best friend for all those years. So I bring that up because your documentary was a very relatable experience for me, you know, being you know called Cat Daddy is about you know men who, who have cats. So the first thing I want to ask is where did the idea for the documentary come from? And why was this story a story you wanted to tell? So you know, I've always loved cats, of course, and a few years ago, there was like kind of like this explosion of uh, men sharing photos with them and their cats on the internet. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of famous like cat dads, like Little Bug's dad and <laughs> Jackson Galaxy. Um, it seemed like men were getting like a lot of positive attention for loving cats. Um, uh, with good reason because like I, whenever I see photos or videos of, of man holding it like a cat or a kitten it's very heartwarming to me like it never gets old it gives me some sort of like it's like a Mari Kondo like spark joy or something like <laughs> yeah, definitely. whenever I see it um, it's just uh, wonderful to see men being so tender to you know a small creature right. and so so that was going on and around the same time my husband uh at the time we weren't married but he you know he was never i would never have pinned him as a cat guy i mean he knew (laughs) i liked cats he was just always sort of like indifferent around my cats at that time um anyway and one day a cat found him just showed up hungry (laughs) i mean literally showed up on the doorstep and he, you know, called me and was like, what do I do? And so I told him to go get the cat some food and give it some, or, you know, give it some water, milk, whatever. So he started taking care of the cat and they just bonded like best buds. I I would not have ever guessed it. Um, I didn't know he had it in him, honestly. Uh, I started seeing a different side of him. I mean, he's a very sweet guy already, but there's a different kind of tenderness that came out. Uh, I thought that, well, if he could be a cat guy, how many other guys don't know that they could love cats? Right. And it just was just sort of an idea for me. I had actually not wanted to direct movies anymore. I I really wanted to just produce and just sort of help out. But I just had this idea that wouldn't go away for like a year or two. And every time I like talk to people about it, they sparked too. Like <laughs> they just thought it was such a sweet idea. That's so cool. Uh, because like, you know, we're all following like hashtags, like hashtag cat does, cat, hashtag men with cats. <laughs> right. There's now like photo books and, you know, about men with their cats. There's a lot of articles on the internet about famous you know, men and their cats and, you know, like Ernest Hemingway and Mark Twain and, and I mean, the list goes on and on. And so I thought, you know, I think there's some interest in this. I think, you know, 
I could do something and it would be something that I would want to see myself. And if I want to see it, maybe other people want to see it. Mm. I'm also like, I also love to consume movies on the big screen in a cinema. I'm not a big fan of, you know, I know there's like millions of, you know, cat videos on YouTube. <laughs> right. But I really can't watch them for hours on end, you know. Yeah. I don't. I just don't consume my media that way. Uh, I like being in a theater. I like seeing it big. I like good sound. Uh, I wanted to create something like that for you know the cat loving community. Um, I I just think that it's great to bring people out in a in a in a safe space that you know they can be their cat loving selves and not feel you know embarrassed by it. Got <laughs> other people like them. And I just thought maybe it would help encourage more men to sort of find the inner cat dad because who knows? Like they, they you, you don't know what you don't know. So maybe they don't know. Oh, that's a very good point that you bring up. And I really liked how you had a very um, wide-ranging variety of, of cat dads in your documentary all over the country, different personalities, different places in life. So what was that casting process? I don't know if you'd call it a casting process, but it seems like it would be a very unique situation to choose who you wanted in the film. Yeah, I very specifically wanted everyone to look different, have different occupations, be geographically uh, different, and yeah everyone should like feel different i wanted to film in different cities that have a different flavor different you know you know just places that look different it was actually originally supposed to be international um but COVID changed that halfway right. through our shooting so a lot of the cast some of not a lot but some of the casting changed because they were cat dads we couldn't get to um and so some some guys their story expanded a little longer so we had more time to spend with them and then it just became uh yeah focused on the u.s you know which was not my original intention but you know for for the time being that was fine and i really found almost everyone on instagram they were usually someone i was already following and then if there was like someone someone I did I was looking for like a different state or area I would just sort of uh do a search like search some of those hashtags like men with cats or or something and then just sort of go down the rabbit hole and just sort of check people out it's a little stalkerish but <laughs> it's kind of a cool way to pre-audition people because right. you go through their Instagram you can see kind of like you can kind of figure out what city they're in before you approach them right you can see um you can sometimes get clues about what kind of occupation they might have by looking at their instagram and also uh seeing how how social the cat might be you know mm -hmm. and, and and seeing them in different scenarios maybe pictures with you know other people not just their parents so that could clue me in okay is this is this a is this a workable cat like because mm. we obviously did not want to cast any cats that were going to be stressed out by having us there right um so that that was pretty heavy in the consideration because if the cat um with like my my cats couldn't have been in it everyone always asked me well is your husband in it and i know my our cats <laughs> would freak out and they would hide as soon as a, you know, a couple <laughs> strangers walked in so 
that wasn't going to work. So I re- so so it was really important that the cats were okay and they weren't going to be stressed out. So that that was kind of that kind of knocked a lot of people off the list. Uh, sounds like a, a great way of doing it. And as you mentioned, some might call it stalkerish, but I, th- I think we're better off calling it research. So. <laughs> it is, yeah, it is research. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you for yeah. explaining that. Now, uh, one thought I had while watching the film was you often give the audience a cat level view from the camera perspective. So I'm wondering if that created any unique challenges and how, how you film those type of scenes. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because people don't, people underestimate how hard it is to film with cats. Um, you know, as soon as they see a camera, they automatically just want to turn their backs to it. Uh, um, I don't know why, they just know. And and our DP was great. He, um, you know, he had a lot, he had to get on the ground a lot. He was basically crawling through most of the filming, just trying to capture their world. They're um, just trying to catch, capture close-ups, just trying to catch them in their natural habitat and just sort of, you know, um, keep them calm. Uh, it takes a very special person, and we luckily we picked the right person. Um, I'd say we picked him for that reason more than anything. It's like how how do you move around cats? How do you approach them? Are you you know? It's not easy to be crawling around and trying to shoot with a camera all the time, and be really hard on the knees, you know, and so. <laughs> And so, yeah, it was just a lot of handheld work, honestly. And we luckily, uh, it worked out for us to use the Blackmagic camera, which is very small and lightweight. So he could, you know, get on the ground. I mean, literally on his stomach, on the ground, like shooting like it's war photography or something, you know, <laughs> like, like, yeah, he just got really into it. No, that's good. It's, it's, that's one thing I was really curious about because I know sometimes uh, camera equipment can be really heavy and you've got all this gear that wraps around you. So it sounds like you found a good uh, physical solution for that with the type of camera. Yeah, I don't know if we could have done this a decade ago. Like it really was the right time. The, uh, the technology, the equipment is there and you can do that now. I mean, now you could, we could have probably done it on like the new iPhone maybe. <laughs> right. And it would be very unobtrusive for the cats. They almost don't notice. Oh, it's amazing what uh, how technology has been advancing. That's that's a good point. Maybe maybe if there's a sequel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, now I can actually film a. Maybe I can film something with my own cats at home because right because the technology's there. Oh, that's a good point. Now, you filmed this documentary over a long period of time, and as you mentioned a minute ago, it also happened to be some of the most challenging times that we've faced just as human beings, you know, with the pandemic and everything else that's gone on. So is there one thing you can point to that was the biggest challenge in getting this documentary completed? Um, yeah, I mean, we were lucky because in documentary world, uh, two years is a drop in the bucket. Mm. But it was twice as long as I was planning. I mean, quite honestly, this is my first documentary and I thought that it was just gonna be really simple and quick and easy, honestly. I I just wanted to get my feet wet and also, um, I mean, it's just, it's cats, right? Right. How hard could it be? (laughs) And yeah, it just ended up taking a long time because through 2020, we had to just kind of wait in the wings. We were editing, you know, along the way, what we had, as soon as we had it, we would edit a little more as we were getting footage. But there were just so many times when we, you know, book our travel 
and then uh, you know a few days before gotta cancel it all can't go there's a quarantine you know two-week quarantine being required for new york so it's just a lot of stop and go for like almost that entire year and i was worried because uh i don't know am i allowed to say a spoiler or anything Uh, up to you if you want it's fine (laughs) okay well one of the cat dads um was dealing with health issues and also very very high risk if he got covid so, I mean, he just, we were just so afraid that right. we weren't going to finish filming with him and that his story would be incomplete. I mean, it's not complete, but at least we wanted, we needed him one more time mm. to sort of give a little bit of closure to his story and to the movie. And so I think just the stress level of that was a huge challenge. And it's just a, it's such a waiting game. Uh, we ended up, uh, for a lot of the shooting in New York, we ended up having our DP there. He happened to be on the East Coast anyway. Mm. And so with family. And so um, he didn't have to fly and he could just be there. And he had to just one man band it. So he just went solo. He had to do the sound. He had to do the lighting himself. He had to do camera. He had to you know, drive to different locations in a car in New York City. It was a lot. And um, and we we wouldn't have a movie if he hadn't pulled that off because we couldn't get there. I was just on the phone doing the interviews and, you know, giving him a shot list. Right. I was like, make sure you get this, make sure you get that. And then it's like, you know, just see what we get. And uh, <laughs> so that was a huge huge challenge I think um during that time a lot of people said you know I would hear people say you know a lot of productions are shut down but documentaries can keep going and I'm like no they really can't (laughs) (laughs) it's really not that easy unless your documentary is entirely in like an archival piece right right you can't and and like you know we've got people who you know, are immunocompromised or maybe disabled, we can't really expect them to like, we can't just ship them a camera and expect them to just film themselves, you right, know? Right. So it's just not that simple. Oh, that makes total sense. And one thing that, that really hit home for me, and you spoke on it a little bit with the, the gentleman with the health issues, and each person had a very unique story. And there is a very human aspect and i'll add it to the how i'd mentioned it was very relatable story overall but did you have the intent to really go that deep into the kind of i guess i'll just say the human side and they're deep into their stories and instead of it just being about hey here's this guy with this cat and here's this other guy with this cat did did you expect it to really be that emotional in the beginning, that was not my intent at all. I mean, it was always going to be definitely heartfelt, and I wanted to humanize everyone. I didn't want to, I didn't want to mock anyone or you know make them make them out to be you know seem weird or something. <laughs> right. I, I I really just want wanted them to be to show their compassionate, tender side. Um, that's what I wanted to bring out. Um, it just so happened with all the events of 2020, it just kind of led me down a slightly different path. And we kind of had to juggle, you know, different, those different tones in this movie, because there is humor, 
but then there is um, a lot of uh, uh, you know there's like we all went through a collective trauma right um, in, in many different ways and uh, it just had to be be part of the movie and I think we made it made it work in the end um, I wasn't sure if it was going to but yeah I wasn't expecting something to be so emotionally resonant but um, yeah it is kind of an emotional film and it's kind of emotionally shot um, I think that what it brings out is that uh, we you know we all have these difficulties no matter where we are uh, who we are in life and we have that um, commonality I mean you have like I mean there just seem to be these common threads of just you know the, these guys are are um, they're kind of living the, their best lives with these casts but at the same time there's also um, just a lot of struggle there's a lot of struggle both for cats and for the humans um, and I just thought that was kind of like an interesting parallel and you know it's 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 people who are trying who are struggling to afford to afford a place to live you know um, that affects home uh, pet owners right um, just having the space to have a pet uh, that is quite a struggle and um, the struggle of you know firefighters to kind of keep their cat um, in a firehouse you know there's just all these struggles that that the that the people in the movie have and then on top of that the struggles of, of cats themselves who who don't have a home right now that's so great thank, yeah, i thank, couldn't turn away from that you know right no that's great thank you for explaining that and you do a really good job of showing how each of the the men the cat dads learn you know from the experience of having the cat and i, I think that was a really really good thing to to focus on as well so with that in mind uh, what is the number one thing that you learned from making the documentary not necessarily as a filmmaker but as a person oh you know i learned so much from david the main character in the movie uh he really i i think he really helped push us to finish um we wanted to finish the movie and get it out there to help maybe see if the movie could help him in some way in his predicament. Um, so I just learned so much. I, I think that during the pandemic, I, I kind of could focus on him and helping him rather than focusing on myself. Um, I really, uh, I hope other, other people can see that, you know, there's always, there's always someone else that needs help um, and sometimes if you can help them, it'll kind of take away from your own worries. Um, so that was really important. He really taught me about his strength and resilience. I just, okay. I, I don't know where it comes from. He has such a level of optimism. I'm not an optimist. I'm, I'm just, I, I like to think I'm a realist, but it takes a lot of optimism, I think, to be a filmmaker and to complete a film. You really, you really have to be. And also just in life, I mean, um, you know, he tells, even though he has all these problems 
really all the cards are stacked against him. He still tells me that he feels so lucky. Wow. He feels blessed because his cat brought so many new friends into his life. Um, he thinks that he could actually be worse off. Uh, it's just, if you see the film, it's just mind blowing that that's how he feels. Um, it, and I, I took so much from that. I continue to take a lot from that. Um, it's, it just blows my mind that, that he could feel that way and, and in the situation that he's in. But uh, I, I learned a lot from him. No, absolutely. And uh, he, his story, watching him inspired me, you know, just from sitting here in, from my perspective. And you can see how he inspired everybody that he came into to contact with. His, his friend that, you know, took the cat for a while. I guess we are. That, not spoilers, but we're telling a little bit territory. of the story, right? <laughs> exactly. But uh, you know, just I'll just leave it at that. Just he—he he was a very inspirational character. So I'm glad that that you were able to to get that angle of it, and also as you know, based on the question, get something out of it yourself. Because I think you—it it would be impossible for you not to be affected by your interactions with these people as well. Yeah, he's like a family member to me. We keep in touch weekly. And honestly, everything that's going on with the film really um, uplifts him right now. I mean, he's not he's not out of the woods and he's still at risk for getting COVID. Um, and, and he's still a very high risk group. And uh, so. So, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know how he gets through it. And and it's made it's definitely changed me because I thought I think that the movie also breaks a lot of different stereotypes, not just about men and cats or ladies and cats. It's 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 really about all kinds of people, right? Right. And I specifically try to, you know, have people with different occupations and and, and stuff. And I think that um, we, we see them in a different way. And I, I hope it breaks a lot of stereotypes. No, oh, absolutely. I think that's uh, something that people will notice in the documentary. Now, speaking of learning, like we just talked about, and speaking of people's backgrounds, there's a, I don't know if this is a little known fact, but I thought it was when I discovered it, but you actually founded the Asian Film Festival of Dallas yep. uh, after you studied film at SMU. So you definitely understand the festival experience. And it seems like movies have always been a part of your life. Can, can you touch on your background and where, like, I guess maybe where your love of movies first began? Yeah, I was born and raised in Dallas, Texas, and if you're not a sports fan there, there's not really a whole lot to do. <laughs> right, right. And um, my parents were very, very strict immigrant parents. Like, I, w I couldn't even go to a sleepover when I was growing up, um, but they did allow me to go to the movies. Oh, wow. And so that was just a huge, always been a huge part of my life. Um, in a way, movies are a way of, like, mental travel i mean because i never really even got to travel as a kid and so movies were such a, a escape right and uh and and you can just learn so much and how how it is to be in another person's shoes um yeah it was just like it was just really my everything and i made little movies and skits with my friends growing up <laughs> i kind of naively went into um uh, studied film thinking I could somehow make a career out of it um, you know this was also like kind of against my parents wishes uh -huh. and um, and so I did that and I worked at a lot of movie theaters like art house movie theaters 
And one day I thought, well, you know, it's, why don't we have, we have like a Latino festival, a Jewish festival, all these other festivals. Why don't we have an Asian one? Um, and so, and so I start, I, I don't know. I just start, I just started, collect, I had like a collection box for people to drop their email if they were interested in, in seeing Asian movies. And so I just collected this email list. And then once we had that, we could actually do screening. So, and then we did a film festival. So it just grew from there and it's still going on. It's in its 20th year. Really? Wow. Yeah. And um, uh, I'm, I'm no longer really involved. I, you know, they can always reach out for help, but um, but it's, it's been very rewarding to have been a part of that and have like a little bit of a legacy in my hometown. But most importantly, expose people to cinema that they wouldn't otherwise have been able to access. This was this was the days of, you know, when John Woo was at his height, um, Wong Kar Wai, you know, all these great masters, and we weren't able to see their films on film. And I had I just felt like I had to change that. Some of it was selfishly motivated, <laughs> but. Um, you know, and now nowadays it almost feels like uh, a lot of that that cinema is becoming part of the mainstream, as we saw with Parasite a few years ago, and right. and a lot of other filmmakers. It's like, you know, they they weren't overnight successes. Like they've been they've been around for a while. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. No, that's, that's amazing that you. I like that you looked at it from that perspective too, as you wanted that cinematic experience for these films because you're right you know 20 30 40 years ago you know films that were made in japan or china or wherever you would only see on tv maybe they would pop up on some probably a cable channel or something but you rarely saw them unless for some reason they became a big hit uh, which was very rare but yeah it's, it's definitely a different landscape now so it sounds like you were a, maybe a small part of of uh, creating that shift with your with your film festival that that's amazing so now speaking of film festivals you know cat daddy's had its world premiere again you're from dallas so the premiere was at the dallas international film festival and i feel like that should kick off what should be a really successful festival run for the movie so tell me about the premiere experience in dallas and what are you now most looking forward to moving forward dallas was so great because i just think it's a filmmaker's dream to screen at the alamo draft house it's my favorite right. theater chain um you know i can just relax knowing that the picture is going to be good the sound is going to be flawless um and it was in a huge theater i was i was really really happy with it it was just like for me just selfishly it was just <laughs> so nice to have that experience and finally be able to see the movie as it should be shown like we just put so much work into the details and polishing it you know and just to see it that way um there's just no substitute i mean i know every filmmaker says that about their movie but for this uh we may you know we shot in scope you know we sound mixed in dolby atmos like we hmm. We really wanted to make it feel immersive and we wanted people to come back to the cinema. Um, and it was so great to have like friends and family there and people that I didn't know who just love cats. I had um, also like old professors that I didn't hadn't seen in decades. Wow. Um, 
come out and to support and didn't even tell me sometimes I was just like surprised wow, that's uh, amazing it was it was so amazing it was such a touching experience it really energized me and everybody just to have because it's been so long I mean I've gone to the movies but there's something special about the film festival experience right and just the energy that's there and then and then to come home and find out that we won the audience award was just incredible and um i i never won like an award for film before so that was just a nice way to like kick things off and and start things off Wow. I think that really um, is special too, because it's the audience award. So the people that sat there and watched it, they reacted to it just as as fans of whether it's fans of cinema or fans of cats or or the story. I think that's a I always like to see those audience awards and who those go to, as well as the you know, jury prizes and that yeah. type of stuff. <laughs> It's really interesting. So Cat Daddy's won for documentary and then for narrative, it was Kenneth Branagh's Belfast. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Two very different right. films. I mean, I, I, yeah. I think it's awesome. I'm like in good company, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm really dying to see that movie because I've heard so, so many great things, but to like be right there, like <laughs> in the same list, it's right, just exactly. like, pretty pretty incredible so um yeah not definitely not expected at all i mean it's like in a year like this we're just happy with whatever we can get so right exactly just having an in-person screening i'm happy (laughs) i'm thrilled i don't i don't need anything else right so how does it feel then being on the same level as a kenneth Branagh at this point (laughs) oh i just think it's hilarious i think it's so funny no, I hope amazing. he's a cat dad. I, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. That'd be amazing. Um, when you look back at everything it took to make this documentary from the very beginning to now, what comes to mind that just gives you a sense of gratitude? Oh, gosh. Um, I really have so much gratitude for everyone who helped me make this movie. It really did take a lot of people. And it's interesting because... I'm I'm competing in a lot of festivals where you know they have categories for like just for female filmmakers. Oh, yeah. And uh and and it's interesting how many men stepped up to help me make this movie. Uh-huh. Like all the cat dads in the movie, they didn't know who I am. I don't have <laughs> anything really to my credit and they were willing to talk to me and be and be a part of this this movie and then um all of all the people behind the scenes they almost all of them were men and and they they brought their game uh to make this happen um a lot of it was unpaid or friendly favors and they also um you know i felt mentored by them yeah it was really 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 great experience and uh, uh. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you. I feel like that's a, a great way to, to wrap up our conversation. So my thank you for having this great conversation and you know, a shout out to all the cat daddies out there. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Yeah, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for being here.
Hey, my name is Mark. This is Mai Huang. Her documentary is Cat Daddies, and this is the Changing Directions interview series. For those watching on YouTube, please hit the like button, subscribe to the page, and leave a comment. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, and you can also leave a review on iTunes. Any way you can support the podcast is very much appreciated. All my interviews and movie reviews are available on 206.com. You can also go to catdaddiesmovie.com for more information about the documentary. Thank you so much. Be safe and see you next time. Thank you.